The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Knocked out by Butterbean, but 
300 pounds of power. I mean, that's a tremendous punch to take. Oh, without a doubt. Let's take a look at it. I mean, the first punch from Butterbean, rock fart gun. I mean, it staggered him. I don't think he, there it was right there. Butterbean thought he had it one right there, but Bart did make it up. He told the ref that he was okay. Take another look at it. Oh, he was rocked right there. You saw Butterbean leap with the left hand and followed it up with two tremendous rights right on the chin, followed by a third. And here's the second punch that knocked Bart Gunn down. This did it. Down. Oh, that knocked him out. Brother. So Butterbean, folks. First round knockout of Bart Gunn. Hello and welcome to another feature episode here on the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am JP John Paz, and as always, we have these great feature episodes that complement our flagship show. It's a little bit of a shorter interview, maybe a little bit more focused rather than our flagship interview series, which usually goes over an hour and, and it's kind of more of a highlight and kind of go over many different things. But today we bring in an absolute superstar and of course when we do that our episodes are brought to you by a blue chew check out a and listen on later on into this episode where chad will give you more information about where you can get blue chew with a nice old discount that is a blue chew and a and of course superstar amongst many many superstars that we've had on but this is one of the biggest both physically literally um, metaphorically whatever you want to say butterbean joins the show eric ash it's been a long time coming been trying to get him on the show for a while been talking kind of back and forth and uh probably honestly for a couple of years just going back and forth and trying to find the time but you know that happens uh in in this business if you will especially a guy like him very very busy right now working on a documentary about his life which is very very cool you hear a little snippet about that in the interview don't want to kind of give too much away but that'll be coming out soon and i highly suggest you if you see it Definitely, definitely go out of your way to watch that because it's going to be very interesting going over his life and his career. And it's going to be one hell of a documentary. And if you think about his life and his career and what he's been up to and what he's done, almost 100 career wins in his combat fighting career. His boxing career obviously has the most 77 wins. He's got uh, about 17 or so wins in MMA. He's got some kickboxing wins, so overall almost 100 wins in combat sports. That is absolutely insane between boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. That is very, very frequent fighting, and that's uh, almost maybe too much fighting, but he was very, very busy, and he didn't lose all that much. So um, if you think about maybe less than a quarter of his fights that he actually ended up losing, I mean, he has a ton of wins, a ton, ton, ton of wins, and not that many losses. We do go into, of course, boxing. We touch on kickboxing. We go into MMA. And, of course, maybe the real reason to get him on the show today is because of his time in the WWE, which I was really looking forward to talking about. We do go into that. We talk about the D-Generation X pay-per-view. We talk about Mark Merrow. We talk about that boxing match. And, of course, we talk about the infamous WrestleMania 15 boxing match against Bart Gunn, where Bart Gunn gets viciously knocked out we go into kind of the particulars of it 
why he thought that match took place and what it has to do with the brawl for all. So that is some great stuff and some very interesting stuff. So it's pretty awesome. You run the gamut here, talk about a little MMA, a little boxing, a little kickboxing, a little wrestling, a little WWE, a little Vince McMahon, a little WrestleMania 15, a little Brawl for All. Like really, really kind of go over a lot of different stuff here. And it really is a fun interview. I think you will enjoy it. And he's one of the biggest stars ever. So keep your eye out, obviously, for the Butterbean documentary. And if you've, you've heard of Butterbean, you've probably seen him on TV, in, in movies, video games, reality shows. You've probably seen him all over the place. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a great episode with a true legend, true superstar of monumental status. And that is Eric Esch, a.k.a. Butterbean. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the heavyweight boxer with 19 fights in professional MMA. He has won 12 of them. His right hand is the last thing seen by his opponent. Then, day out. All the way from Alabama to KSW Ring, IBA super heavyweight champion. He is a former boxer, kickboxer, MMA fighter, pro wrestler, you name it. He's done it all. He is the king of the four rounders. He is Butterbean, a.k.a. Eric Esch. Eric, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, great talking to you, buddy. Awesome to finally get you on the show. And, and it's everyone always, you know, he knows you as Butterbean, obviously. But what have you been up to? What's been going on in the world of Butterbean lately? I've been I've been just spending time with grandkids, hanging out at home, and uh, I make ink pens and razors and things like that as a hobby. Oh, interesting. Well, how'd you kind of get into that field? Well, I'm always like woodworking, and I got to where I really couldn't do big objects, so I started making smaller ones. You make it I make any them. 
I, I play around with it. I, I make them out of real unique stuff, like anything from uh, alligator jawbone to woolly mammoth ivory. Wow, nice, nice. So you making any money out of this uh, ordeal? Not here and there. It, it pays for the hobby. Nice, nice. Butter bean. You, you don't quite expect that. Like, what is he up to? Like, eh, just some woodworking, you know. <laughs> That's it. Good stuff. Now, obviously, you know, you're reti- like retired from the game. You still kind of keep up with boxing and, and kind of uh, still pay attention to the sport? Not really. I mean, you know, there's just nobody out there interesting enough to watch. It is. Is not as uh, let's just say not as interesting and compelling as when you were kind of at, at your height and and in your prime. And, I mean, there's a couple of guys, you know, Wilder and Fury. Wilder, that, Wilder is a, just a two 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 stage punk. All he is. Um, Fury, Fury's all right, but Wilder's he. There's nothing to him. Are you believing the hype that he was tired from wearing that big outfit? Do you think that's a, just a big excuse? He's he's a thug. That's all he is. He's a talking thug. I mean, anybody to brag about, hey, I'm third. I'm the bronze bomber. I come in third. You know, if you want to brag about third, you're, you're not even in the competition to be the number one. Are you buying the excuse of the uh, the heavy outfit? No. That's the first time I heard it. It's about as stupid as it's about as stupid as he is. Yeah, he was saying. Well, he I, I, had, I had a heavy outfit and it hurt me. It wore me out to the ring. Uh, you don't need to be in the ring if a, if an outfit hurts you. Yeah, he was saying that it's 45 pounds or something, and he got tired from wearing it for a half hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. I fought in Japan, and they, they took me a half a mile away from the ring because they wanted to make me tired walking <laughs> to the ring. You know, they drive me off a half mile away from, you know, the way to the other side of the arena, which is about a half mile walk I had to do before to get to where I was going. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a BS thing. It, uh, I don't know. It just seems like one of those things where it's just a big, big excuse from him. That, I mean, hell, he, he he got tired for forty-five pounds. I I walked to the ring with four hundred and fifty pounds. Right. So I don't want to hear his crying. Yep. I just think maybe he was intimidated a little bit from that first fight when he thought he had the knockout punch, and Fury got up like the Undertaker and basically uh, scared the hell out of him and went to a draw. Maybe he's been fighting nobody's his whole whole career, and he's finally got to somebody he knew was going to be a tougher fight this time because Fury just got to rehab the fight before. Right, very true. Now, as far as yourself and, and becoming Butterbean, where does that kind of originate from? Where do, where do you get the nickname Butterbean? Because obviously everyone knows you as Butterbean. Well, it's a, it's a long story, and I tell you, something interesting that's happening right now, we're working on a documentary about my life. So you definitely have to watch it, and you'll learn all the whole, the real, the real truth behind all the stories. Awesome, awesome. And when is that kind of coming out? When are you when are you putting? That We're right? working on it right now. We've we've had to put the hold on shoot right now because of the whole virus thing going around. Uh but yeah, we're 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 in the process of shooting it right now. Nice. So the uh, butterbean mystery. Well, not really so much of a mystery, but the the, the nickname and everything. You'll have the full. The, the true the true story. The true story will come out. True story, right? Nice. Now, as far as becoming a boxer and getting into the, the boxing world. How does that come about? Were you just always a, a big fan and, and you just decided to jump on in? Well, no, I started in the tough man competition. They finally kicked me out of it. You know, nobody would fight me. Right. I got to the point nobody would, you know, nobody would fight. And it kind of got, you know, not interesting 
you know, tournament when you're supposed to have 20-something fights and you only have two. Yeah, absolutely. And you think that everyone's scared, intimidated. I mean, obviously, you, you know, knocking everybody out left and right. But is, was it just the fact that nobody really wanted to fight you? Well, I, you know, I got to the level that, you know, it was time to, to move on. I mean, and, you know, you can only go so far in an amateur-type contest before you become too good to fight everybody. I mean, that's what happened. I just excelled in it, got stronger, bigger, and, and faster, and, and learned more than, than the other guys in it. And, you know, I just I excelled at it. Is that something you've always trained to do, be able to, you know, throw that those heavy hands? No, it just it just come natural. Just love doing it. I mean, hell is it's fun. I mean, you get to knock somebody out and get paid for it and not go to jail. What a job. Sign me up, I said. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. And you you said you were like a natural, but you never really got into it like as a kid or anything, or you were just no. kind of my big and my older brother used to beat the shit out of me regular on a regular basis, so fighting wasn't me, I was more of the hiding get the hell out of his way kind of guy. Well, that's kind of hard to believe, actually. Just like just looking at you and thinking about your career, it's hard to believe. Well, once I got bigger, things changed. Right. Yep. That's for sure. Now, when you kind of enter into the, the boxing world, did it come as naturally as far as just, I mean, obviously you go like 60 and one at one point, but was it like as easy as it almost seems like record wise or no? No, there's a lot of, a lot of hard work. I mean, getting up at five o'clock in the morning and having to, ride your bike to your trainer's house to go for a run, then ride your bike home, and then get ready to go train later in the day. Yeah, it's 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 not as easy as, like, people think. There's a lot of hard work behind the, you know, behind, before you see, before you see a person on TV or in the ring, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it beforehand. The ring, the ring part's the fun part. It's all the training prior to that that, that you're basically getting paid for. <sighs> Yeah, that's the struggle. That's the, the you know, annoying part of the hard part. And it's interesting, like, as you kind of go through your career and, like, really think about it, I mean, the impressiveness of, of just kind of jumping in and going basically 15-0 and 0 at the jump and really kind of go to MSG, the Thomas and Max. I mean, you're going to the creme of the creme. I mean, you're facing a good competition, but you really are – in these gigantic Mandalay Bay, you know, all these places in Las Vegas. Are ever well, my, my, I've had more pro fights than any other fighter out there mm-hmm. uh, on TV, more televised fights on TV than any other boxer out there. Um, you know, my second pro fight was on a Tommy Hearns undercard. I was on pay-per-view TV probably 10 or 12 times before I even turned pro. So, I mean, my career just, it really blossomed well. I mean, it, it it took over more than anybody could expect. Oh, big time. Huge. A star. I mean, I guess they, they, they see star power. You know what I mean? They see the, the charisma. They see what you're able to do, and they really kind of wanted to, you know, get you out there. I, I, I had a video game. I had, a, I had an actual video game made about me before I even turned pro. Yes. Yes. It's called Tuck Man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, crazy that's world. I mean, it's just, I've been very fortunate. I mean, everything's just kind of fell into place. Great, though, that once you kind of get into the boxing game, like you said, like they kind of shoot you to superstardom. I mentioned all the places in, in Vegas and stuff. And, I mean, they really, you know, and they're not putting you in there with just, you know, just throwing you in there. I mean, you're in there against some pretty good guys. I mean, Peter McNeely, you know, they're not um, giving you. I mean, nearly a million. I wouldn't, you know, Lewis Monaco, those other, you know, fighters mm-hmm. I fought that. That was pretty tough guys, you know. 
Yeah. Monaco yeah. fought a lot of big names. He knocked out Kevin McBride, which McBride knocked out Tyson. I mean, so, I mean, he knocked out Buster Douglas. You know, so I fought some people that, that could actually fight pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. And I love the fact that if you just, like, look at the career, I mean, at one point, basically 63-1 and one or something like that, or 62-1, and one, I mean, it, it's just uh, impressive as far as just – the amount of wins that you're able to just knock out. And well, I was I was fighting so regularly, sometimes three and four times a month, which is unheard of in the in the boxing game. And you were saying before, I was trying to tire you out and you know get you tired and stuff like that. You're fighting that frequently, and you, you must you know you're in great shape. Do you ever kind of feel it on the body? I mean, are you exhausted at all with all these any of these? I, I feel it every day now. Believe me, I feel it every day. You think there was too many fights, kind of? Well, I mean, you know, I, 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 the MMA and all that, the kick in the legs, it took its toll. It really messed my hip up, and, you know, that's just part of life. I mean, part of things you do to to have a good time in life, I guess. Yeah, there, uh, no no doubt about that. So when when you kind of just keep going through your boxing career – and you and you end it. I mean, obviously, you know, you're in there with Larry Holmes and a bunch of you know pretty decent names to throw out there. When you decided to hang him up, and basically somewhere around 2013-ish, was that kind of just because you just thought you had too many fights, or like what was the kind of the reason? Well, my hip, my hip started giving me a lot of trouble. I mean, I, I really had a lot of a lot of problems with my hip and back, so I decided it's time to get out. You know, my brain's still in good functional order. I might as well get out in a good, at a good time. Is that one thing you worried about, injuries and head injuries and things like that? Well, you'd think everybody would. Oh, you would. You would hope. You would. You would hope so for sure. Well, some don't. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of fighters out there, and that their their trainers and their their team, you know, they keep letting them fight, even after they're they they should have quit a long time ago. Punch drunk, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting too because not only are you boxing, like you mentioned, you're doing kickboxing and you're doing MMA. Is that right. intimidating at all to be doing all those different things at once? Because they're throwing you right to the fire. Well, that all come kind of like a freak accident. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine, Mark Coleman, which was pretty big in the MMA world. Oh, yeah, know him very well. And I told Mark, I go, Mark, I might want to try that one day. Next thing I know, I got 25 promoters from all over the world calling me. And they just basically... And then that it just happened. I mean, it just was a, hey, you want to come to Japan and fight? And I said, well, it depends on the kind of money. They threw the right money figure, and I said, sure. What about training and stuff, though? Were you worried about kind of... You, you know, my first, my, first, my first kickboxing fight, I, I had no idea about, about fighting, kicking, and things like that. I knew how to fight, stand up, but... Didn't have no idea about kicks. I mean, he got a couple really good kicks, and I said, this shit hurts. So I went and knocked him out real quick. I figured <laughs> out dude, that that game really fast. Yeah, you, I think you won your first fight in a minute or something, right? I, it was, it was pretty quick. I mean, he kept he kicked me a couple really good times. You could see his toenail imprints on my leg, and I said, that's, that's enough. I'm done. Let's knock him out and get it over with. And when they throw you into K1, I mean, K1 was the top-notch kickboxing organization in Japan at that point, too. And, and, and oh, and I, I thought K1, stayed. Pride, yeah. yeah, I thought both. I mean, I, the top, I went right to the top. I didn't, didn't fiddle these small 
rinky ding something going to the top. Yeah, oh yeah. And they throw you in there too. It's like because you're a big name, you may not have kickboxing experience, but because you have a big name, the Japanese people want to see you against the best. So they throw you in there against Mike Bernardo, who's a big you know kickboxing legend. So it's one of those things. Is that like almost like a no win situation? Because you're a big name, you have to fight a big name to to kind of sell. Well, some Mark, Mark, you know he run. I mean he he run from me. Hmm. I mean you know he he run basically give me a big bonus. He got in trouble for it for not wanting to fight. He kicked and run is basically what he did, and he got he got several red cards around the fights, and then they got on to him afterwards about it. Not you know in Japan they want you to fight, they don't want you. Oh to, yeah. They don't want you to win on points. They want you to go out there and fight, and that's you know I got a huge bonus because I kept fighting and you know took took so many brutal leg kicks. It's all about the fighting spirit. Exactly. Now, as far as that though, is that kind of intimidating to to a certain extent that it's just like okay. You know, I'm a big boxing guy. They're going to throw me in there with the top kickboxing guy. Is that, in in a way, almost a little unfair because of your name power? Not necessarily in the sport, but your name power overall kind of gets you in main event spots and against bigger names. Well, I wouldn't have been getting paid what I was getting paid if I didn't have that name. Oh, so, okay, I got you. So it's, it's kind of a good trade-off then. Yeah, exactly. As far as kind of you mentioned pride and, and obviously getting into MMA world, what did you kind of think about MMA? Because obviously kickboxing, uh, you know, very similar to boxing, minus the kicks or plus the kicks. What did you think about getting into the MMA world? Well, I mean, at first it was like a little, little intimidating, but I went to a America Top team, trained with my friend Laborio, and he taught me a lot of stuff. You know, the very last Pride show, I ended up submitting to Lozino. Who is a huge monster in and of himself. I mean, he's even bigger than you are. He's huge. He's, he's a good-sized guy. Was that something you were ready for, submissions, like in, in getting trained at a ground game and stuff? Well, yeah, that's why I went to America Top Team. You wouldn't expect that to be that finish of that fight, you know what I mean? I know everyone was kind of expecting it to go down the first round, which it does, but they were expecting a huge knockout. Well, the mess-up part, I I had trained for the ground, so... You know, I was ready for either one. I'd rather so I tried to stand up with him. He didn't want to stand up. And you know, you want to make excuses. I went. I fought two weeks before that fight, and I broke my hand really bad. So I went into that fight with a really bad broken hand. But you know, a fighter goes in fights. He don't make excuses. Even if I'd have lost, I wouldn't even brought that up. But I bring it up because I won, which makes it more impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. Fighters fight, and uh, you know the injuries subside if you know you fight on the adrenaline. I love it. And they they don't complain that their outfit's too heavy. Yeah. Yep. My it's, trunks were my trunks probably weighed more than his damn outfit. <laughs> Just yeah, because of the size of them, my trunks probably weighed more than his whole damn outfit. True. He ain't no bigger than my right arm. Very very true. Yeah, I met him a couple times. He didn't impress me. I didn't like him. I didn't like his attitude. His trainer's a good guy, but him, you know, him himself, Wilder himself is not a good guy. Yeah, yep. Now, as far as kind of just going back to Pride, you, you had a few fights in Pride besides Zulus, you know. You fight pro wrestler Sean O'Hare and you knock him out. You, right. Uh, you remember that fight quite fondly? Yeah, it was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I fought I fought in Pride probably 20 times over in Japan. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, let's pause one second here to tell you about the benefits of using Blue Chew and BlueChew.com. Now, you don't need to be a genius to know the benefits of Blue Chew, but for those of us that need to be enlightened, how about this? It's the first ever chewable, so you don't have to sit in that doctor's office and look like an idiot and wait for your turn. It's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and it's fast acting, and you can use it on a full stomach. And it comes in very discreet packaging, so your nosy-ass mailman isn't going to know what you're going to be doing and taking care of business in your bedroom later tonight. Head on over to bluechew.com that's b-l-u-e-chew.com use the promo code franchise and get your first shipment free and pay just five dollars shipping so bluechew.com franchise promo code take advantage of our very special offer so get over to bluechew.com right now because using bluechew outweighs any of the other alternatives that are out there and make your weekend perfect and why don't you go and spice up the finer things of life yeah, well, yeah, he had a, definitely a few fights. Now, the reason I kind of bring that up, I mean, it was pretty much a 30-second knockout um, of O'Hare, who was, if in case people don't know, very he was trained in MMA and, and mixed martial arts and uh, and uh, in karate and other things. But you're originally supposed to fight Mark Hunt, right? Mark yeah. Mark got in trouble with the law and couldn't get in the country. Oh, so that's the the true story of it. That's what happened. He just couldn't get in the country. Did you ever kind of regret? not being able to face him? Because at that point, these, I mean, he's a huge, huge kickboxing star. Getting into MMA, you're a huge boxing star. Doing I'll be MMA. honest with me, it, it was a business. I mean, I looked at it as, you know, what payday got paid, what, you know, what bills got paid, what, you know, what you got to eat for supper. Uh, you know, I, I had nothing to prove. I did it as a business. And then actually, Mark, you know, him not making it, I got paid more money because I had to change to 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 an MMA fight instead of a, you know, stand-up kickboxing fight. So when you kind of get recruited into Pride and you're saying, like, oh, money factor and, and this and that, who is actually kind of like – who's like the go-to guy? Who's who's contacting you? I was I was managing myself most of it. I had a, one uh, guy that helped me line things up over there. But, yeah, I, I pretty much handle all the contracts and everything myself. Was that intimidating at all? That you know, you got to be not only a fighter. I've been I've been doing it for years. I mean, I, I you know after after uh, you know after so long of boxing, I started managing my career in, in boxing. So I mean, I was kind of used to it. As far as you know, the fight game. I mean, almost if you really look at the combat sports, boxing, MMA, kickboxing, almost a hundred wins, not two, not very many losses. When you think about it, like, is combat sports something that was just easy to you or just natural to you like are you just like you said you kind of scared but really of your older brother at one point but when you think about it were you just always maybe just like a natural born killer or a silent killer or a natural born fighter well you know i mean you, you gotta look at somebody 10 times bigger than you and a lot older than you yeah you, you get a little fearful when you're seven eight years old and your brother's 18 years old yeah you, you get to scared the shit out of you but uh, no, it's it's just you know it's part of life. You know when you grow up, you you be able to do things that you want to do, and it what? just pretty much all fell into place. It just it, it's almost too long of a story to go into it on on you know on the one interview. But I mean, it's there's a lot to what happened in my life. Now is it one of those things where it's just you know you you took to to fighting very well, or it was always kind of within you, if that makes sense? Like kind of was something you had to bring out of yourself. You think? No, I mean, once I started doing it, I enjoyed it. I mean, I really, uh, I liked fighting. I had a good time doing it. Like I said, you got paid to do something you enjoy doing. I was out there having fun. I mean, if you watch all of my fights, I'm out there smiling and, and, and having mm-hmm. a good time. You were always, 
like laughing, smiling, stuff like that. Is that a part of like the character? Is that really, really, you know, a part of you? Like how you were feeling? That is me. That's what I was. I was having fun. Was there any sort of like butterbean character? You know what I mean? Where you kind of hammed it up a little bit, or you know, you because you, you had a lot of charisma, but it was some, was it something where you were kind of manufacturing your own kind of stardom too? No, it's just me. I mean, I was myself. I was me. Uh, Butterbean was just a nickname. That's just just my nickname, but that's that's who I am. I wasn't acting to who I was. That's just who I am. One of the things that's so interesting, kind of about your career. I mean, we're talking about boxing, kickboxing, MMA. I always kind of think about your wrestling when you got into pro wrestling and you entered the world of the uh, WWE, aka WWF. How did that all come about? Well, they they hired me to do a couple pay per views. We did and uh, enjoyed it. They wanted me to do more stuff. I just the money wasn't there. I mean, it just wasn't a right business move at the time. Who kind of contacts you and kind of basically sets that Vince, up? Vince got a hold of my manager, which was Art Door at the time, and we worked that deal out, and it it worked out pretty good. Did you think like, oh, wrestling? Well, you know, what am I going to do? Or are you strictly thinking money? No, I mean, I had a good time doing it. I mean, I, I've you know, I'd worked with the, uh, you know, some smaller things, you know, wrestling stuff before. So I had a slight idea of what to do. Uh, me and Mark Merrill worked, you know, we worked out a pretty good gig out, and uh, it it turned out pretty good. Yeah, the uh, Degeneration X pay per view all the way back in December of '97. You, Mark Merrill, and you know, simulated boxing match it was basically your kind of wwf debut and i stole sable from him yeah that's kind of not, yeah, not too bad yeah quite a way to make a uh, debut there i mean that's pretty exactly. good exactly what do you think about mark's skills i mean obviously you know wrestling wise but he actually is a, a golden glove or was a golden glove boxer oh yeah yeah he he, he knew how to box i mean he's a, he's a good wrestler good boxer i mean he knew what he's done it worked in really good with the skit did you have any like hesitation about doing it at all no not none whatsoever i had a good time doing it great guys to work with were you always a wrestling fan no i i I didn't back when i was a kid i did i watched it i mean what kid didn't watch wrestling that's true pretty much everybody so mark marrow easy to work with you you know you said but what about vince and kind of talking to vince is was that a big part of, of you know your time there did you spend any time working with vince mcmahon I got I, me and Vince got along great. Good guy. I mean, it's his business. I mean, that's you know, a lot of guys are intimidated by him. I wasn't. You know, we worked the deal out, and that's what happened. I mean, that's just you know, he tells you what he's going to do, and he'll do what he does. Is it hard to throw worked punches like for you, as far as a natural killer, one of the hardest hitters, king of you know, the king of knockouts and everything? Is it kind of hard to uh, throw the worked punches? No, I mean, you, you learn how to throw them and. You, I got pretty good at it. Who kind of trained you, if, or did you really have much training as far as pro wrestling? Uh, actually, what what you know, I worked with Mark Miller. I worked with a few other local guys that that done it around here, some indie show guys. But other than that, that was it. As far as kind of coming back a few years later for WrestleMania 15, do they like what's the the thing here? This is going to be a new deal. Was it a part of your old deal? Like, how come you came back a few years later? Well, it was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be the year before that, but Tyson got out, and me and Tyson was in a big battle about me and him fighting and trying to put a fight together, but that never happened. So they were trying to keep me and Tyson away from each other at the time. That's why I won in the year before that. How come that never worked out, you and Mike Tyson? That is a fantasy match. You you tell me, and we'll both know. Oh man, 
that's a fantasy matchup me and my friends just talk about all the time. Like, why, why not put them out there on pay-per-view and let's see what happens? Exactly. I, it just never happened. Was he afraid to get in there with you, you think? Or no, no. It's, it's or? His, his people. I mean, they, they you know, it, it would have been, a, it been a, either he knocked me out or I knocked him out, and he didn't have the kind of chin that they thought he had. I mean, other, other fighters had proven that. But Tyson's a great guy. I mean, me and him get along good now. We're, we're good friends. That it would be a fantasy match. I mean, definitely me and my friends used to always kind of want that to be like that epic, you know, like you said, either you knock him out or he knocks you out. It would have been awesome. It, it would have been a go to the center of the ring and throw punches. It wouldn't have been no running and jabbing and dancing and hugging and kissing. It would have been, it would have went out there and throwing punches. Nobody would have got bit either. Yep. So 1999, WrestleMania 15, I'm actually, I was actually first row for this one. I was in attendance for this one. You versus Bart Gunn after he wins the infamous Brawl for All, which was basically uh, you know wrestling slash shoot fights that they had for real, which was crazy in and of itself. But what was your kind of thought process here? Like, this guy's really going to uh, try to box me? Like, what was your thought process? You know, that's... <sighs> It was kind of a bad idea. It was kind of punishment for Bart and when when I was brought in. You have to watch some of the the, the shows that's out. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I think they're they're coming out with a story on the Brawl for All. You need to watch that, and it'll it'll give you the whole insight of the whole fight, the whole Brawl for All thing. Were you interviewed for that? Yeah. Oh, awesome. awesome. So that should be it. Should be coming out any time now on the on the the Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, yeah. Dark Side of the Ring on Viceland. Great, great show. Yep. Um, we recently talked to Evan, who uh creator, uh, executive producer. So he was just on awesome stuff. It is so interesting, though, that they throw kind of Bart Gunn in there, perhaps mad that he really won when they wanted maybe somebody else to win, whether it be That's Dr. That's pretty Des- much what happened. Whether it be Dr. Destiny Williams or, or Bradshaw or whoever else. But they definitely were maybe, like you said, maybe not happy that uh, Bart won. Right. Were you shocked that his that game plan against you was kind of like he's just going to swing? Like, is he crazy? He actually tried to box. I mean, he'd come out trying to box and jab, but it was his worst mistake. He should have come out just throwing haymakers like he did in the other fights, and he might have had a little bit better chance, but it, there's no way he would have won. But, yeah, it was it would have been a lot, lot – I don't know. He would have done better if he wouldn't have come out trying to box. Yeah, for sure. Were you surprised at all with, like, how quick it was over? Or you, you pretty much knew it was going to be first round, yeah, 30 seconds, boom? Well, I, you know, when I went to the ring, some of the, the crowd was kind of against me, and that kind of pissed me off. So I took it out on Bart. <laughs> I was not one of them. I was cheering for you. I wanted you to win. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I I just remember, as, as this was happening, I was, like, shocked at, First, because I thought it might might be some work involved, or that it wasn't going to be legit. And then, holy moly! No, I mean, it was hundred percent legit. Yeah, there was no oh, work. Like, yeah, definitely hundred percent real. I mean, holy man, that was just a memorable and great knockout. I mean, he just goes stiff and boom, what a huge right! I actually was kind of just surprised that I don't know he he didn't have his hands up more. You know what I mean? Like I would have had my hands up around my head the whole time and, and just maybe try to tie you out or do something but oh man yeah, his strategy was not good was not his whole team had a bad strategy all right and i just want to uh for the fans out there please just give us the plugs uh, for butterbean where everybody can find you and see you you know your social media website stuff like that uh it's it's butterbean eric Esch. uh same thing on on uh twitter 
Um, just just come out and check me out on my Facebook page. I don't do a lot of social media, but what little bit I do, I'm there. All right, awesome stuff. Butterbean, thank you so much for joining us. You have yourself a great night. Thank you so much. Appreciate hey, thanks it. a lot. Grant has just got here, and i got to spend some time with him. I really appreciate the interview, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.